Simply put, it's the person and work of Jesus Christ. I love how this is stated in 1 Corinthians 15.3. Folks, this is where our mission comes from. Our mission exists because of the gospel. And it is of first importance. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. The Apostle Paul speaking. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. In other words, it is Christ who took the punishment for our rebellion against the holy God. It is Christ who freed us from the penalty of our sin and freed us from the power of sin that we can now live to please him. He has given us a second lease on life. He has given us a new life in the resurrected son that we now want to worship him with all our heart, with all our mind, and all our soul, and all our strength. That's the gospel, and that should be our response to it. You see, because of this truth, we worship our crucified, resurrected, and ascended Savior. Because of this truth, the gospel, we are being transformed. We are being conformed more and more into his likeness. Because of this truth, we have a message to proclaim. And we are called to do this all together as a church, as a local church, in response to what God has done for us through Christ Jesus. Well, let's start with the first leg of worship, the rightful response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number one in your notes, we worship Christ. This is the upward. We do it together on earth as it is in heaven. Nowhere else do we receive a more compelling picture of what it means to worship Christ than in heaven itself. In the book of Revelation, we get an open, open way. We get a portal into heaven itself and what this worship looks like. I love the scripture, Revelation 5, starting with verse 11. This is the Apostle John speaking of the vision that he received of heaven. He said, Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Isn't that great? Worship is our rightful response to the Lamb who was slain. Who was that Lamb who was slain? Jesus Christ, who was slain for our sins, resurrected to new life, ascended to heaven, and is now being exalted in heaven. You see, God-centered worship is Christ-centered worship. God-centered worship is is Christ-centered worship, as we see in Revelation 5. You see, church, right now as I'm speaking, lifting up the word of Christ, 
I am doing, and you are participating in what is being done in heaven. We are participating in the worship that is going on right now, like that which we see in Revelation 5. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says. He's speaking to Christians, those who have gathered. He says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. He's saying, when you gather and come to God in Christ's name, you have access to the spiritual realm. You access to heaven. And to the innumerable angels in festal gathering. Not just the angels. Verse 23. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Who is he speaking about? Who are the assembly of the firstborn? It is those who have died in their faith whose names are written in the book of life and are now in God's presence. When we worship, when the word of Christ is preached, when we respond in song and giving on a Sunday morning, we are participating in what's happening right now in heaven. What is happening in heaven, we are to do on earth as the local church. Oh, there's a lot of imagery in this Hebrew passage. But don't miss the point. Do please do not get lost in it all. I think Edmund Clowney, in your quotes, puts it well, commenting on this passage. While here on earth, we join the saints and angels in the festival of glory. Because we gather with Jesus there in heaven, we are exhorted to gather with him here, right here, this morning. Just to illustrate, I remember the first time that I had a chance to travel across the Atlantic Ocean to Europe. I had been home, been away from home for several weeks, and I was getting a little lonely, a little homesick. I distinctly remember one day sitting in San Marco Square, St. Mark Square, in Venice, Italy, watching the sunset. I looked at the sun. And had this thought, this epiphany, this revelation. The sun, which is setting right now, which I am looking at, is the very same sun that my family is watching rise in California. And as that thought dawned on me, I felt strangely closer to them. Closer to them than I had the entire trip. And I eagerly anticipated my homecoming. This is what happens every Sunday as we gather as a church for those who are believers. We're looking not to the sun, S-U-N, but we're looking to the sun, S-O-N, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We do that as we preach and as you respond to the preached word. We do this as we sing together corporately. We join heaven in worship Worshiping the same sun that is being worshipped right now. And as we do that, we anticipate our homecoming. Oh, we do it imperfectly here. We have issues. We have problems. Yes, we do. But we do it in anticipation of that day. To reflect the reality of what will once be ours. And what is now occurring in heaven among the saints and the living creatures. That is Sunday. That is why we gather 
picked up a little few other things from these verses as well. You'll notice that worship involves multitudes. It says in Revelation 5.11, thousands upon thousands, i.e. innumerable. In fact, Hebrews 12 uses that word. There are innumerable angels. We notice in Revelation 5.12 that worship, where is it? Is loud. We see in Hebrews 12.22 that it is celebratory. That's what the word festal means. Celebratory. You get in the picture? The worship of Christ is a corporate celebration and affair. We call our Sunday service a celebration service. Why do we do that? See, it's not just we right here who are celebrating. Oh, it's the angels in heaven. It's the redeemed. We are joining in in a heavenly celebration and assembly. That's why we gather corporately. Reminded of who Christ is and what he has done and where our home lies. And we rejoice just as those in heaven are rejoicing. But one of the ways we thus build the church is participating right now. You're participating right now and you're listening. As you sang, you are participating in worship. As you gave, you are participating in worship. As we participate in Sunday, we are fulfilling our mission as a church, that first purpose, that first leg, to worship Christ on earth as it is in heaven. This isn't just a truth theologically to understand. That's that's nice, Corey. Okay, I think I understand what's going on here. No, it's to be experienced. There's emotion that should go with this as well. We are experiencing the reality of that which we sing and affirm. You see, our Sunday service, friends, is not just a tradition. We don't come here on Sunday to try to appease God to make up for all the rotten things we did Monday through Saturday. That's not why we meet here on Sunday. Our Sunday service is part of our mission to worship Christ together and to call others to do likewise. You see, the book of Revelation in Hebrew that I quoted from, it's written to Christians who were discouraged, who were weak, who are being persecuted. He was writing to Christians who are tempted to disengage from fellowship with other believers. That is whom he, he is writing, the authors are writing to in these two texts, the weak and the disheartened. This vision of heaven is given to them of corporate worship to encourage them to persevere. Why? Because life is hard. Why? Because the Christian life is hard. Christian perseverance is a community endeavor. Christian perseverance is a community endeavor. We cannot, I don't believe, will not persevere in willful independence from the local church. We were created to worship Christ and to worship Him together. To be reminded together of the precious truth that we have in the gospel. To be reminded that our home is with Christ in heaven. That is what Sunday, that is what this time right now, right here, is about. Listen to what the author of Hebrews goes on to say. actually says in Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Not neglecting to meet together. This word in the Greek, to meet together, It's about a formal gathering. It means assembly. It's not talking about two or three meeting at Starbucks or in a park. That could be beneficial for biblical fellowship. 
That's not what the author is talking about. Do not neglect meeting corporately together as a church for worship, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we need that encouragement, don't we? I need that encouragement. I need to be stirred as I anticipate my homecoming and my Savior. That's what we do each Sunday. We thus build the church. We thus build the church by meeting on Sunday for a celebration Sunday. We build the church by taking this seriously. We build the church by preparing our hearts, coming ready on this day, this sacred day, to listen and to respond to the word of Christ. I love this quote from John Piper. It's not in your notes. Just, just hear it. He says, but most of us are prone to bluster into the throne room of heaven as into a hardware store with a broken piece of plumbing. Been there, Home Depot. Got a broken piece. Don't know why I'm here. Don't know what I'm looking for. Need some help here? No. Rather than with joyful wonder that we are being admitted here only by the blood of Christ and that we are come to the greatest being in the universe. Do you approach Sunday with that anticipation, with that heart preparation, as we gather together in festal celebration and affirmation of what Christ has done for us and who we are as the people of God? Are you anticipating it? Are you coming on time? I realize there's times, maybe you have young kids where it's difficult. There's grace here. But as a pattern, are you coming on time, eager to participate in all the service? And are you participating? Every part, starting with the worship. You know what it's like when you're worshiping and someone's next to you is worshiping with a full voice. There's an intensity there. Isn't it edifying and encouraging when your brother or sister, you see them fully engaged? You're being stirred up. There's a reason why in Colossians 3, Paul says, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. There is an edifying effect that takes place as we do this, as you participate in worship. Not just in singing, but when you're intently listening to whoever's preaching here, you have your pen out, your notes out, you are fixed on what is being said in the scripture, and you're eagerly taking it in. Others' benefit are edified as well as we do this together. So how do we build the church? We also build the church by helping to serve, make this Sunday service a reality here at Miami Lakes Middle School. I just want to say thank you. Thank you to the many Sunday morning ministry teams that make this service happen. Do you know that we have 10 ministry teams? That's 10 individuals who have people working with them in all different areas of the Sunday service, starting at 8 a.m. and going to nearly 1 p.m. to make this time possible. Oh, I'm so thankful. We have greeters. Saw Jason there this morning greeting. See, Jason's, he's just not greeting people, whoever may be greeting that Sunday. It's that they're welcoming people to a social networking cocktail party. No, Jason is greeting people and welcoming them to the heavenly assembly that we are now experiencing. We have the set up and breakdown team as well. We have many. Fernando leads that team. He is not here. I know that David and Jose, two of the 
newer men to our church were there this morning early working. You know what they're doing? They're just not setting up tables. No, no. They're setting up bleachers from which we can see the throne of God more clearly on that Sunday morning. That's what they're doing. There's internal significance to what they're doing each and every Sunday morning. We have the worship team. Wally doing a great job leading the whole team in song, giving expression through song, affirming the truth of the gospel. And we're singing them back to God in glory and adoration. We have the sound team working hard to give amplification to our Sunday service. Why? Because the service ought to be loud. People can hear. And they are serving us even right now, figuring out the problems that we can, you can, I can be heard. But most importantly, the word of Christ can be heard. We have ushers serving you so you can give and worship. Ushers who serve communion. What is communion? It's a covenant renewal. It's a people of God. They're serving us, reminding us who we are in Christ. And once again, what he has done for us. We have the translation and interpretation team. They're making worship intelligible to those who might prefer Spanish, where Spanish is their first language. We have a team working right now. We have a person right now, I'm not sure who it is, thank you, who is interpreting at this moment. We have children's ministry. What are we doing in children's ministry? We are preparing future worshipers of God. We have an aesthetics team as well. What are they doing? Adorning the gospel, reflecting the beauty of Christ by making this school as beautiful and clean as possible on a Sunday morning. There's a hospitality team. There's a resource table team. I could go on and on. When we prepare our hearts, when we serve on one of these teams, we are building the church, facilitating worship on Sunday mornings. Maybe you haven't been a part of one of these teams. You'd like to. I would encourage you to. We can still use more ushers, more greeters particularly. For ushers or greeters, please see Jason. We can use more on the setup team as well. Please come, be a part, and help build the church. But you see, as important as worship is, that in itself is not the only thing we're called to do as a church. See, worshiping God is never in isolation of the other two legs of the stool. As we worship God together, as we help others to do so, we are being built up in our faith. I've alluded to that already in our sermon. And that points to the second leg of our stool. It's the inward. It's imaging Christ. Love this verse in Romans 8, 29, in your notes. For those whom he foreknew, it's Christ, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You see, God, he saved us. Not just that, but he saved us to sanctify us, to make us holy, to conform us more and more into his image, that we would image Christ. Another way of putting this is that we as a church have been called to mature, mature in our faith together. That is, the church exists to build each other up. Why? That we would together look more and more like Jesus. Well, how does this growth and transformation take place? Well, first of all, it's the work of the gospel, right? Romans 8, 29. That works through the church and begins with its leaders. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I know we have a number of verses being shown today, but I want you to see where this is coming from, with your own eyes, where these truths and realities, where this practice comes from, all right? 
Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11. It says, And he, that is Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, that's Al and I, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Why? Look at this. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To what? Mature manhood, you could say womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Notice carefully. The leaders don't do all the ministry. Rather, the leaders equip the saints for the ministry. Equipping each and every one, that is you, to do the ministry, that together we may image Christ. So how do we build the church? How do you build the church? First of all, it's being equipped for ministry. So how are you equipped for ministry? How are you equipped personally to minister to others? Let's fulfill our call to image Christ together. We have many contexts here at Palm Vista. We have our Palm Vista Institute, four-week courses that we're developing, that you would receive biblical and theological training, that you be equipped for discipleship. We're going to have one this winter, again in the spring. My prayer, our vision is that we could have these courses run all year round. One day, we're going to get there. We have what we call youth parent meetings. What are we doing in these meetings? We're attempting to equip parents to minister first and foremost to their own children and help them together to experience Christ and biblical fellowship. We have our singles meeting that meets once a month as well. What are we doing there? Our attempt is to equip singles, not just for the eventuality or potential of marriage, yes, that in many cases, but also that our singles would be fruitful members of the church, not just receiving, but giving as well. We have a women's ministry, the ladies' day that took place last Saturday to equip our ladies from all seasons of life. We have a homeschool support meeting that took place yesterday. We have conferences, Sovereign Grace Ministry conferences, like Worship God 09 that if you just came back from, that just occurred this last week. We have men's retreats, many more, to equip you to minister and build up the church. So the question is, are these equipping times... Are they a priority in your calendar? I'm not saying you have to attend each one of these, but we're going to give you the calendar at that family church meeting that Al mentioned August 30th. You're going to get a calendar with these different events on there. Are you blocking that time off as much as possible that you may be equipped? See, it's not just about you. Oh, it's about you being equipped and being conformed to the image of Christ, but you may also help and equip others as well. So we make that a priority, not just for your sake, because you love your neighbor as yourself, that you are loving one another as we are constantly reminded to do in Scripture. Are you growing? The second point is about inward. It's about growth. Are you growing? Can you point to your life of this last year, since last fall of 08, and articulate where God has grown you, where you are maturing? Have you grown? Or just kind of coming on Sundays. That was nice. Put in my Sunday morning dues, so to speak. 
Now, are you growing? That's the objective. You would grow. Yes, as you worship, you would grow. Become more like the Christ, the one we are worshiping. See, if you're not growing, you're probably not ministering to others. And if you're not ministering to others, you're not building the church. As I see it, scripturally defined. So we're to worship. And we're to image Christ. I believe the two are bound together. And as we are equipped, we are thus equipped to minister to one another. And I believe that one of the main ways we do that here at Palm Vista, the way we have, cho- the way we have chosen to do it, is through home groups. If you are new to us, we meet generally, except for the month of July, we meet once a week on Wednesday evenings in small groups in homes to apply the messages that we are hearing to form relationships where we can minister to one another. I want to spend a little time here because we're going to be starting up our regular home groups in full force come September. I want you to know why we're doing this, what we are expecting when we gather on Wednesdays. You see, as important as preaching and teaching is, it is central. We believe as a church that it's also important to provide a context to help each other apply and live out what we are learning. Why? Because we recognize, I recognize, Al recognizes, the tendency in each one of us to be hearers but not doers of the word. It's easy, isn't it? I often think because I heard a message, because I have memorized or studied a passage, that somehow I've applied it to my life. Oh, how I deceive myself. How blind I can be at times. I need others to help me. Love this quote from Paul Tripp. The reality of spiritual blindness has important implications for the Christian community. I need you in order to really see and know myself. Otherwise, I will listen to my own arguments, believe my own lies, and buy into my own delusions. My self-perception is as accurate as a carnival mirror. If I'm going to see myself clearly, I need you to hold the mirror of God's word in front of me. Oh, yes, I do. I need those in Ephesians 4.12. Those are being equipped for ministry. That's you. To serve me with your encouragement, with your observations, and yes, at times, even correction. I often think of the story that C.J. Mahaney told a while back. I hope I get it right here. He was sitting in a coffee shop one Monday morning doing his usual Monday reading when he saw an impeccably dressed and groomed man come in with his latte and cream cheese bagel. Little did the man know that when he executed the hand-to-mouth bite that he smeared a glob of cream cheese on his nice suit on his jacket, and no one said a word. For the whole hour, that glob of green cheese was on his jacket. And eventually, he finished his breakfast, and he confidently strutted out of the shop with his fancy Italian suit, oblivious to the glob of cream cheese hanging from his jacket sleeve. Church, how often that is us in our sin and deception. We need people that we know, that we trust, that love us, who can say, uh, pardon me, 
but you have cream cheese on your jacket. You have cream cheese on your face. Can I help point it out to you? I'll even help you remove it as well. You look like a million bucks. Just this one area, the cream cheese, please. Do we have people in our lives to do that? Oh, I told the story a while back. Oh, I think it was in a sermon. When I was working out in the gym, and unbeknownst to me, my shirt was both inside out and backwards. And I was looking in the mirror working out, and I still could not see it. It wasn't until about 20 minutes later, someone's pointing at me, multiply pointing at me, that I got the point. I was oblivious. Oh, I need other people. But I can say I'm growing. It was just last week. I put on my gym shorts. Unfortunately, I put them on inside out. I think it was backwards again. But this time I looked in the mirror, and I recognized it. Before I went outside into the gym. Friends, that is growth. That's growth. That's sanctification. See, that's the hope, isn't it? As we point out to you areas of growth, that pretty soon you start seeing on your own and making that correction, aligning your life and your doctrine with Scripture. That is the point. Oh, that we may image Christ together. But you say, okay, Corey, I can see how home groups could do that in theory. But I'll just be honest with you. I've been to home groups. You know, kind of boring. Kind of boring at times. Well, let me just say, some groups are more exciting than others. Granted, some are more meaningful than others, okay? That is true. I want to argue, argue with you there. But let me suggest, if you find home groups boring, maybe it's because you are boring. <laughs> Woo! Now, let me, qual- let me qualify that. Let me qualify that. I'm not talking about personality here, okay? I resemble that comment, okay? Not talking about personality. Maybe it's because you're not opening up your lives. You have no needs. You're not sharing. You're not asking. Listen, I have never been to a home group where someone has opened up their lives and asked for help or asked for ministry. That was boring. Where they shared their heartaches and their struggles and people gathered around to help them and to pray for them. Never. I've never been to a home group where someone has prayed from the bottom of their hearts. They've cried out to God. That was boring. Never. Biblical fellowship is not boring. Sharing what we have together in Christ is never boring. I hope it's edifying. At times, it's challenging. At times, it may be a little aggravating because we're two sinners or three sinners, okay? Oh, but maybe never said that it's boring. Biblical fellowship is never boring. And neither should home groups. If we understand its purpose is to open up our lives to know one another, to minister to one another. So if you find group a little boring, maybe God is calling you to step out and to ask for help to share your life. You may say, Corey, I'm new to this Christian faith. I'm even new to home groups. I don't know I have anything to say. If you have nothing else to say in group, nothing else to give, give this. Give the gift of your need. Give the gift of your need. I stole that from the Proclaim course that we had on Wednesday night. 
and you will find others, I'm confident, rushing to to help you, to pray for you, and to serve you, yes, in practical ways as well. You see, we need to serve one another. So how do we build the church? There's many ways, but one of the ways we do here at Palm Vista, and it is an important way, I believe, is by faithfully participating in home groups, that we may grow in maturity, that we may grow in imaging Christ. Not just through our words, yes, through our words, but through our lives, through our gifts that God has given, through gifts of service. As many of you have gifts of mercy. It's serving with practical needs, like the meals from the foods and others in your group. It's gifts of mercy. Oh, we need gifts of mercy. It's serving with gifts of hospitality. Hosting a home group. Maybe hosting the women's home group every month. Maybe you have the gift of music. God wants to use you. Maybe you're not up here on a Sunday. That's okay. Maybe God wants to use your gift of music to lead worship at home group as well with the gift that you have. To use the gift of prophecy. Maybe you're you're new to all this. You're not even sure what this prophecy thing is. But you're getting impressions and you feel like, I just want to share them with a heart to edify and build up my brother and sister in Christ. And so you open up your mouth and you share. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as the one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Oh, that is what home groups, my friends, are for. That we together may image Christ and serve one another in ministering to one another. So home groups are a great place to start. But you know what? It doesn't end there. Worship, first leg, second leg, image. Third leg, proclaim. Here is the outward mission of the church. You see, a church that only worships A church that's only inward is an insular church. He's like a person in the gym who has a ripped upper body but chicken legs. You ever seen those kind? You know? Yeah. Upper body, no legs. I'm thinking of a couple guys in the gym right now. See, me, I just have skinny legs and a skinny chest. But I'm proportionate, okay? Uh, Some of these guys, they're way out of proportion, Okay? No, we need to have strong legs, our feet shod with the gospel of peace as we go forth into the world. We need to be outward focused as well. We need to proclaim Christ. You see, if we're worshiping Christ, if we're imaging Christ, we're going to do what he says to do. We're going to obey him. And we're going to go forth and do what he's called us to do with his authority and his power, with his commissioning. You see that perhaps most clearly in the famous passage called the Great Commission. Matthew 28. I'm going to start with verses 16 through 20. I want to start actually with verse 16. Because here we see that Christ is resurrected. In this passage, he is gathering his disciples, presumably for the last time, before his ascension back to heaven. We read in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Look at verse 17. 
And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. See, we, we could have ended the book right there. Christ died, resurrected. The response, worship. Book closed. Gospel of Matthew, closed. But no, we don't end there, do we, with verse 17. We now have the commissioning in verse 18. The commissioning to the apostles. Thus I believe the church of which we are a part today. Verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In this commissioning for you, for us, the church, there is one imperative, one command. It's not as easily seen in the English. Believe me, there is one command, one imperative. And that imperative is make disciples. Make disciples. Now there's three other attending words called participles or words that tell us how do we go about making disciples. Those words are go, we translate it going, baptizing, and teaching. That is how we make disciples, by going, baptizing, and teaching. Friends, this is a collective work of the church. It takes every member of the church working together. Sometimes I think we get a little confused at this point when we speak about the Great Commission. We think, okay, I got you, Corey. We're to worship together corporately. I think I get that. And I can see, Corey, how we need one another to grow, right? I can see that, I can see that one another thing going on. But when it comes to this third point, like, man, it's all up to me. I've got to go out and evangelize. It's all up to me to make disciples. No, you're part of the church. This is a, a family collective effort. See, if you think it's all about yourself, doing this in independence of the church, you're going to feel lonely, you're going to feel isolated, you're going to feel ill-equipped. You see, the Great Commission isn't merely or just a call to send out missionaries into foreign lands. It isn't just a call to the bold, kind of independent, evangelistic types to go do their things. Oh, it's much broader than that. It's much bigger. It's the call of the church to be the church, to make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. That means every member of the church proclaiming Christ wherever they go, to family, to friends, to co-workers, and yes, even strangers. But I believe it also means to meaningfully participate in the local church, it is to participate and to invite others to do the same. It's sharing with folks that you have been called out by God to now call others to him and to the church as well. Why that the church can affirm their profession of faith and baptize them, that the church can teach them all that I've commanded so that they can go and worship God, image Him, and proclaim Christ to others. Do you see it? Friends, this is a family affair. As one of my coaches or someone used to say, what we do together, I messed that up. What we do, we do together. What we do, we do together. See, the head of the church, Christ is saying the very same thing to us this morning. So, to answer the conclusion, how do we build the church? How do we build the church? 
not only by proclaiming, but imaging, but by, excuse me, not only by worshiping, but by imaging, and yes, by proclaiming Christ to a lost world. That means being trained to share your faith and then going out and doing it. That's why we're having the Proclaim course this month for our home groups, that you may be equipped and trained to do just that. To do what? To proclaim, as we read in 1 Peter 2.9, to proclaim the excellencies of he who called us out of darkness into the light. Or to say, as the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 3.3, to declare or proclaim the mysteries of Christ. We are being equipped to do just that as part of the body of Christ, as his church. How else we build the church in this area of proclaim? By inviting people and participating in our Christianity Explored course. We're going to have another one of those this fall where we can invite friends who may be a little reticent to come on a Sunday morning but want to hear more about who Christ is as we take them to the Gospel of Mark and what it means to worship him. We are helping proclaim Christ. We're helping build the church as we befriend and invite others to this context to share with them. We build the church by befriending and bringing guests to our Sunday guest services and luncheon that we have every quarter. We build the church by giving to the works that we're doing, not just here locally, but in Cuba, in the DR, or even by going, as some did this summer on our Mission X youth teams as well. We build the church by imaging Proclaiming, and yes, imaging Christ as we go to the poor, the outcasts, and the unchurch. Oh, we need help there. Maybe God has burdened your heart for just a ministry. It is part of our ministry. It's a church. As we proclaim Christ, so we image him to a lost and needy world. We build the church by helping give towards future church plants, establishing other churches, that's our vision and dream here at Palm Vista. We're going to talk more about that in the days to come. Maybe God's calling you to give sacrificially. Maybe he's calling you and preparing you now to go on our future church plants in another part of South Florida, maybe even Hialeah. Oh, may it be, Lord. Oh, there's much more I could say here. Much more I could say. But Danny Jones, our friend from Metro Life Church in Orlando, will be here with, with us next Sunday. He's going to speak about this outward function of the church. As he concludes our series on the church, called Extend the Church. And he's going to speak more about the biblical priority and passion of fulfilling the Great Commission and church planting. So in conclusion, church, are you building the church? Are you throwing yourself into the church? All authority... Christ said, has been given to me. And that authority now is our commission to build the church for which Christ died. And the gates of hell will not, will not prevail against us. There's no sure, there's no sweeter, there's no more secure thing that you can do than invest your life in the church. So don't wait. Go do it. Those who are new, we have an Art Journey New Members course, September 13th. Love to see you there. Let's pray. We'll conclude in worship. Oh Lord, I know this is much to digest this morning. Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the privilege that we have as believers 
to build your church. Because we know, O Lord, O risen Savior, that you are committed to building your church for which you died. That you have a vested interest in that which we are doing. Not only have you called us to build your church, we trust that you have graced us and empowered us to build your church. And that there is joy upon joy in building your church. So Father, we're saying we want to be a part. Lord, if this morning we're still a little unsure, would you move in our hearts through the gospel of Jesus Christ, seeing what you have done for us in and through your Son, that we may now respond in worship with a desire to grow, to be more and more like you, and to proclaim the good news of the gospel to those before us. Oh, Father, we need your presence. We need your empowering now. Even as we worship, would you fill us as we join with the heavenlies right now and we adore and praise our risen Savior, our great God. Amen.